Welcome to the Dream Plan Start Grow Show, where the goal is to provide you tips and tools to create and execute your business plan for success. Welcome back to the Dream Plan Start Grow Show. My name is Allison Turner. So I started these interviews because I really love entrepreneurship and I love talking to other business owners about how they got their start because I truly believe that we can learn from anyone that started in business because we each have had different experiences, but there's a lot of overlap between experiences. So whether you're brand new to business, want to start a business, or maybe have been in business, check out the rest of my interviews at Dream Plan Start Grow. Today, I am honored to have with me Barbara Majeski, who has been a TV host for NBC and Fox. She's a lifestyle expert, keynote speaker, and the founder of Moral Life Collective. So welcome, Barbara. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Thanks for having me. So I know some of your history. I probably don't know all of it. Um, so when did you kind of get more into entrepreneurship? Well, you know, um, it really hit me when I got, I graduated college and I was $30,000 in debt. I'm driving around my grandmother's Grand Prix and I knew I needed to make money and I didn't, I didn't just need to get paid. Like some people need to get paid to pay the rent and save the money. I needed to make money and there's a difference in getting paid and making money. I have a brother with special needs and I always knew that I wanted to take care of him. And this like, I don't know, this concept of like, if I don't make money, he'll be institutionalized. And that scared me so much that when I got out into the workforce, I was like, I can't take a job. I can't take a job. Like, think about that. I'm like, I actually have to go figure out how to make money and not just get paid, but make wealth. And that puts you in a different a different position when you're like searching, you know, for that career that you need to, you know, you need to make. But I didn't really have any, I was, I'm not like an inventor or an innovator, but I had kind of stumbled in, into a startup. So I went on a lot of j- job interviews and this was a startup. It was door-to-door sales to see how effective going door-to-door would be instead of telemarketing, which was the big stink that had kind of run its course. And now with the deregulation of in phones, these companies like AT&T were like, we're not getting the small business owner to answer the phone. They're not taking the telemarketing calls. They're not reading their junk mail. They don't give a right. crap what commercials are on TV. And we were piloting a test market to see how effective we would be going business to business. And it wasn't, Allison, that I wanted to be a door-to-door sales girl. But what I had stumbled into was like, listen, if we prove to AT&T that we can bring them better customers than all those other channels then we're going to need people that are going to grow. And it was just a bunch of young yahoos. And I was like, I need to take this risk because there's risks on both sides, right? Like Mm -hmm. I was like, I need to take this risk. The other risk, um, both are risky. I just took the risk on my, on the crazy thing. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The crazy thing. So, cause I think it's interesting. I've talked to done a couple of interviews with people that have come right out of college and started working for themselves. I mean, uh, someone else that works in, had worked in sales. So he's always that independent contractor and basically you, you eat what you kill uh, mentality. Yeah. Love and, it. And like, that's not the mentality I grew up with. And so, oh, you know, can I can we came, talk about that. You know, that's like, to me, that's a whole different mentality. Oh that, yeah. Let's, let's talk about that because I think that is just, I mean, so there's been this like, 
shift. So when you and I were growing up, we were told to get a job, get paid, get benefits, two two right. weeks vac- vacation a year, work so that you get that retirement party and you get the, the gold watch. It was like, stay at the company, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, and it right. was like, get a good job, get a good job. Now I still hear people parroting that, like go to college, get a good yeah. job. But there has been a shift because I think the, um, mm-hmm. what do you call it? The, um, Internet boom, the, the uh, la, 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 like Silicon Valley shifted that mindset for a lot of people because um, all of a sudden these 20 something year olds were becoming <laughs> gazillionaires because they had invented yeah. some software or some, 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 um, which shifted <laughs> the way I think parents would mentor, you know, but I don't think the line, not everyone's like, go be an entrepreneur, design a software company. But there, it is interesting. Yeah. Like everyone told me to get a real job. They're like, what are you doing? I'm yeah. like, yeah, just look, no, look I think, away. You know, look I think away. that's true. And even the the schools, like they were preparing, and I think the schools still probably do it. But um, you know, I went to a private high school, and I, th- you know, everything was, hey, we have a whatever percentage, you know, graduation rate, and then go to college rate, and all these different rates, and um, you know, and these this many of our graduates graduate from college, and blah blah blah, and uh, and I'm sure they're still quoting those numbers today in their, uh, their uh, booklets for sure. But I think it is a different market because it took me a while. Like I have a stepdaughter who's 18. Well, no, she's 19 now. She just turned 19 in September. Um, and she's completely the opposite. So it's interesting because I had to really look at who she is and really think about, you know, what she's doing and what she wants to do because she's very entrepreneurial. She doesn't want to work for someone else. She wants to work for herself. She's been kind of trying different things on her own. You know, nothing's there yet, but she's only 19 and didn't want to go to college. She's like, you know, I'm going to go to college and do what? Rack up a bunch of debt, you know, and obviously now college is much more expensive um, and rack up a bunch of debt and then do what? Like, what am I doing with that? I love her. So So, mm -hmm. I'm tracking with you on that. I'm tracking with your stepdaughter as well because – I think that the narrative has been so ingrained, go to college, get a good job. We don't even know what we're saying anymore. The truth is these professors and these institutions are not able to keep up with the changes in technology, the changes in industry, the way marketing and sales and and development, it's evolving so damn fast. And I'm not saying that college isn't, uh, doesn't have its role, Um, but we need to- it's got its place, but we can widen the net, folks. We don't all have to go to a four-year university to get the right. education that we need to thrive in a career. I mean, it's almost just saying, like, I started something and I finished it, and that's what a, a college – because when you get on the workforce, everything is all – you learn everything on the job. Um, right. And there are some things that you do learn in a classroom. I'm not going to – uh, poo poo that, but I'm also going to no. support those that are kind of thinking outside the box. And like, I want to, I want to mentor. I want right. to try new things. I want to go be a ski instructor in Vail. Like <laughs> parents are parents. Right. Some parents, I hear these parents all the time, Tracy, I'm, I'm my, if my kid doesn't get a job in a week, get a job. They need to get a job. And I'm always like, well, Oh my God, I think they need to find themselves. Like I need to, I think they need to explore. They need to get curious. Right. Why are you making them I, like they're running out they're like, I just got the first job that somebody would offer. Like you want to, you want your kids to do that. Really? Okay, great. That's right. great. That's lovely. I'm just, yeah. You just want your when kids I wo- to get paid. When I moved down here 23 years ago, I worked for a country club and it was a pretty high end country club and it was, 
not a retirement country club. So most of the people were the average age, I think, was like 55 or something. So it was there were plenty of kids in the community. They were mostly year round residents, all those types of things. And I just remember them talking about building their kids resumes. And they started like at like sixth grade. They were building this resume to get into college and to get into a you know really good college, even to get to University of Florida nowadays is like super competitive because it's a top Crazy. 15 school or whatever. And, um, you know, because they had uh, Florida prepaid education, but just to get to that, like, wasn't like a guarantee any longer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, God forbid you go to Florida State, um, you know, or some other school in Florida, uh, you know, but they were training them to basically to go towards that Ivy League mark, you know, and it was so many community service hours and, you know, all these different things. And I still see that. Yeah. So I think it's, it's, yeah, I mean, so I think it's interesting to see the the shift the other way and like what's because I always wonder like what's and I don't know if there is a right way because it's probably each person's different you know because I went back and got my MBA in 2008 and because um, I was in that job for my microphone over um, in that job <laughs> for 13 years and I was actually teaching tennis and running like a junior program for this country club. And I was like, oh, wow. OK, now how do I get out of this? Like, how do mm-hmm. I, I I just couldn't see like I couldn't think outside the box to figure out, like, how do I translate from this outside of tennis? <laughs> you know, and so I was like, go back to school. So I went back and got my MBA, you know, and looking back on it now that I own a business, I'm like, yeah, I didn't learn any. I, I shouldn't say I didn't learn anything in there, um, but like there were certain do. classes that were you beneficial. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you do. But. I wasn't on the entrepreneurial track. I was on the sports track because they had a sports track and I was, I've always been a big sports person. So that's what I thought. I'll, I'll go do that and go work for like the Miami Dolphins or a team right. like that. But it, when I started doing those internships during that program, I was like, yeah, maybe not. Um, it was too corporate. But you at least to... explored. I just yeah, I think I, the, the key is yeah. to uh, widen the net and look at kids and um, even people looking for a career change, what is in their best interest? What are, right. wh- what's the best track for them? And college isn't for everyone, but we've had this metrics. What's the uh, quote by Einstein? Uh, uh, teach, uh, ask a fish to climb a tree, you know, or something oh, like that. Right. And of course they're going to feel <laughs> like they're, you know, useless. Give a bear a fishing pole. Like these kind of things just need to be, I think, I don't know, just need to be messaged a little bit more and that we're all, um, gifted. We're all unique. We all have right. great power and potential within us. But I do believe our academic institutions are very narrow in, in this. You have to be able to take in information, regurgitate it. Um, <laughs> and right. it's to the detriment of uh, critical thinking. So I'm open. Yeah. I- I'm always like, oh, tell me what you want. Tell me what you see. Like, go explore. Yeah. I wish I had done just a little bit more of that um, in you know, in the years that I could have done it, you know, not that I won't do right. it in the future, but you know, I've got three kids right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I think that's the one thing I did pick up in college because I had hated history in high school and I took a history class because I, you know, you had to take whatever the core requirements are to get out of college. And uh, I took a history class and I fell in love with the professor. So I started literally taking all of his classes because he taught completely different. He would not just bring, t- you know, he didn't bring any textbooks in, but he would bring in just like, you know, books that were written by different authors, but they weren't textbook kind of history books, which are all about like, here's the date and here's the battle plan and here's the this and that. And, 
you know, these were like current books as opposed to, you know, a textbook takes forever to bring to fruition. And then it's like outdated as soon as you of publish course. Mm -hmm. You know, so and his half his grade was class participation. So he's like, I don't care which side. Like we, I took a class on Vietnam War. He's like, I don't care which side of the war you're on. Whether you agree with we should have been over there or not agree. He was clearly pretty far left. And but we had ROTC people in there that were like on the other side of that argument. And he's like, just back up your argument with what you're reading. That's yeah. all I want you to do. Oh, and great. so that's how he graded. And they like did pop quizzes because like the university requires me to have something like, <laughs> you know, something to test on. So, of course, you know, so he's like, that's what, you know, to make sure you've read the book. And we would read these 300 page books in one week because it was literally assigned for the week. And, uh, and as long as you did that and you participated, he knew everyone's name in the class. His met classes would always max out at 50 or 75 people. And he would learn the names within like a week. And uh, wow. You know, so like that's probably that's the, awesome. Even though I don't do anything with history per se, but that critical, you mentioned critical thinking, you know, of how you like use that process information. And mm -hmm. then like, what do you do with it for yourself? Like what, what does that mean? Yeah. Instead Ask of just more questions, get curious, get interested. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's good from that side. And I think college is good from, you know, the side of having kids, you know, because they're still kids. I mean, to me, like once you're 18, it's not like you're, you poof, you're an adult and you got to be oh able God. to do our, all this stuff. And like, they're still kids. They're still trying our, to figure yeah. things out. And it does give them that avenue, like more the social avenue mm -hmm. agreed, to figure agreed. things out. But mm -hmm. it's an expensive social avenue, I guess. A hundred percent. So then where did you go? So you knew right away you wanted to do something to support your brother um, down the I road. I needed something to... with earning potential. Yeah. You know, I needed earning potential. Every time I went to an interview, I would be like, well, how can I make more money? And what do bonuses look like? And what's the pay structure? And <laughs> I cared about money. And I feel like... I don't know how that like comes across. Is that tacky? But it's really like my honest. I'm like, I needed to make money and I needed to make money. Honestly, I did, you know, I couldn't like become a drug dealer or anything. Um, <laughs> and I needed to be like confident in what I was doing. Like this was right. really smart. Like I fell into something to me was very, very smart. Um, the great part is that what I learned in retrospect is I was I, I did put myself in the company of very ambitious people. We were all broke, but we were all very hungry and we were all very ambitious and we were all willing to roll up our sleeves and do the work. Um, we had a, an epic level of um, what I, I like in retrospect of like integrity. We were mm -hmm. grinders with good ethos and good work ethic. And I like, don't take that for granted anymore as like yeah. my life has evolved and now I'm in my fifties. So that was 30 years ago. Uh, right. well, less than 25 years ago, but, um, we were hungry. We had uh, a great work ethic, a great ethos, and we had stumbled upon a really great business model. And what I will share is we didn't know like the nuances where, what I think a lot of people get jammed up in is mm -hmm. like, well, then how would we scale and how would we recruit and how would we right. implement administration? And people can like think, talk themselves out of a free candy bar. And, <laughs> and people would do that all the time. Like they'd start with us and then they'd like, tell us why this, this will never work and everything else because we didn't exactly have everything filled in, but here was the vision. So we were doing a test market to see how effective going business to business was introducing the new changes for the phone service. Cause they could, you would finally 
compete with like Bell Atlantic, Bell South, you know, all the bells were getting deregulated. So now AT&T and Verizon, and I don't think Verizon was around then, but AT&T and the one I represented could go in and now offer you the same service at a lower price because deregulation is supposed to save you money, but most people didn't understand it. So they'd see, so we're there going, Hey, come into your business. And so I was there feet on the street doing it. And I'm like, well, we could do this for uh, energy and we could do this for technology (laughs) and we can do this for like any type of company. So I could see the vision, um, And so many people, when I tell you the turnover was wretched, we were like, people would start and be like, this sucks. And you guys are a scam. And like, you'll never make it. And my mother told me to get a real job. And I had to kind of navigate that and stay like, I I don't, this is too good. This is, and it was hard. I wanted to quit like everybody else. But I had a brother who was counting on me not to quit. Um, I didn't. And ultimately we proved to AT&T we were um, a viable resource, (laughs) a real good viable resource for new customer acquisitions. They asked us to expand. Gas and electric started deregulating. Then all of a sudden we started like just being outsourced (laughs) for every damn sales thing. Like I could tell you campaigns (laughs) that I did. Like, you know, I'm a television personality now. So like people might be like, I do not know. I do not know that. Well, excuse me. She's doing the Halloween segment next week. Like what the (laughs) what? Um, (laughs) This is how I got my voice. Um, But one of the campaigns I did, and this, Allison, I think is important. I was willing to try anything and figure out like along the way, not make assumptions. And we did this one campaign for trash. So this trash company hired us. And they're like, would you go door to door, door to door, literally knock on people's doors and (laughs) change over their trash? Who picks up their trash? I literally went door to door. I'm like, I'm here to talk trash. It was like the best. Um, so, I mean, I was willing to try anything and everything. We did have a lot of fits and starts. It's a good example of like, okay, so we contracted with this trash company and we went out and we hired like 20 salespeople, of course, including myself, cause I'm going to roll up my sleeves and know what people are doing. And, um, uh, we sold and signed up so many new customers that we the contract was done in two weeks we were like they're like we don't have enough trucks like you just literally blew that like that was it junk me they don't need to do anything ever again because now they have you know i don't know 400 new customers or whatever it was like that's a made-up number but i'm just saying like yeah we were we could change the trajectory of a business with just this small team of you know sales people the concept was, well, if we proved to this client, so we just kept growing and growing. Now we're like, you don't even know, like you go into like different, like Best Buys and the people that are selling you sometimes the cell phones, they don't work for Best Buy. They may or may not yeah. work for that company right. because they outsource salespeople now. So anyway, that's, that's the story. And that's what puts hmm. fuel in the jet these days. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, I, you know, the, one of the things you said a minute or two ago was, you know, you didn't get hung up in, I guess, in nuances and kind of how you were going to do something. It was more like, oh, I'll try it and see and kind of figure it out along the way. And I think that's critical in business. And that's probably one of the things, you know, 10 years ago when I started this business, I didn't do. And, you know, that's one of the things I often teach now is, you know, you can't, you know, you, once you figure out which direction you want to go, you know, you don't have to know all the hows and like, how am I going to get there? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? You just need to know what direction you want to go. <laughs> like once you figure out the direction, because that's half the battle and the vision, like you said earlier, then 
you know, the hows are going to come as you encounter different aspects of whatever yeah. you're doing. And of course you don't know how to do that. Like, uh, right. like, but you, of course you don't know how to launch an online si- Amazon store. Or of course you don't know how to host a podcast. Like, what did you think? Right. Like that was the, the, that knowing how was going to be under the Christmas tree this year. <laughs> and you didn't even know what Read you needed book. to know. Right. <laughs> yeah. You didn't even know what you needed to know until you get right. to that point of like, I need to understand this. So you don't know what you need to learn until you're kind of right up against it. And the best quote is take the leap and grow your wings along the way. And uh, it, right. It's so true. And I think that's where like people talk themselves out from taking that leap. And I can understand it because you do bump up against things that you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that could happen or, you know, whatever it might be. So some things can really, you know, throw you off and I don't know, throw you off course. Yeah. And I think the flip side of that is those of us like myself who are super type A and have that perfectionistic tendency that was the other thing that hindered me a little bit earlier. Now I'm just like, okay, you don't have to be perfect. Just launch whatever it is. Um, you know, sometimes people get hung up on, you know, they read the book or they watch the YouTube video or whatever it is and how to do X and, but they have to get it perfect before launching it. Otherwise, you know, God forbid that would be slightly off because no one else is going to notice whatever it's off. You're noticing it though. Mm-hmm. I think that is also just kind of, part of like maybe our upbringing of like you know when you messed up it was like people could be so like ca- like everything's so catastrophic like right. <laughs> I remember like waiting tables and like I was in the weeds one day and I was like oh my god like da, da, da. and this guy just stopped me he's like we're serving food we are not saving lives and sometimes we just have to like stop and be like oh yeah, this really isn't a critical, this isn't a crisis. Right. Um, but I do, I think we all have to watch ourselves in how we criticize ourselves and how we criticize yeah. others because they can really impact the subconscious mind and paralyze us from trying things because mistakes are so catastrophic. But catas- but mistakes are a, a lesson. They're, they're right. opportunities to We're learn. They're part yep. of it. And some lessons really suck. I learned some shitty shit this year. <laughs> I really did. And I'm like sharing it all the time because I'm like, well, I did this and this cost me that. And that was really dumb. Um, that I don't beat myself up. I just move on. I'm like, hey, don't do right. what I did. <laughs> right. um, which I'm fortunate to have that kind of like mentality, uh, that resilience. And, uh, you know, I don't keep, keep, just keep, I'm like Dory. Just keep swimming. <laughs> <laughs> So how did you go from what you were doing, which was essentially sales, because you were doing the persuasive, like come over to this company and yeah. to becoming a TV personality? That's so funny. I don't know. I like, sometimes I'm like, how, did, how is this like happening? But yet I do know, um, because television was always something that I wanted to do. Um, I okay. always, I after, so ultimately in the sales business, um, help scale sales teams across the United States. Um, it's now one of the largest outsourced direct sales companies in North America. I no longer, um, do anything. I uh, launched some philanthropy, uh, after I had become a stay-at-home mom and did, uh, I just can't, I like, I I can't stop. Like I look back, I'm like, can you just like slow down? But I can't (laughs) control myself anyway. Um, so in 2015, I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. It's 42. My kids were 12, 10 and four. And, um, 
I thought, you know, I'm a pretty tough girl. Like, I'm like, all right, I got this. I got this. Stage three is not so pretty. Wasn't really happy about that. But I was like, I can't control the diagnosis, but I can control how I handle it. And I'm just going to. I'm just going to get through this. And I had 12 rounds of chemo on like the eighth or ninth round. I was like, oh, <laughs> turns out I don't have this. Turns out this one is, this is hard. And I, at that moment, I thought, I don't think I'm going to make it. And it's such oh. a humbling experience because I was bumping up against another infusion the next day. You know, Oof. so with ke- with chemo, you have your infusion, you're miserable, and every cancer is different. But I'm telling you, colon cancer chemo sucks. And it's the only chemo I know. And so you kind of rebound, then you get your next infusion. So like a couple days before your next infusion, you're like, all right, I feel myself like you're vibing again. And yeah. then eventually you get to this space in chemo where you get your infusion. And then next thing you know, you have another infusion and you haven't recalibrated like you're not vibing anymore your brain isn't working and i was not vibing i was like you can't give me another infusion and expect me to see the light of day and i thought what if i don't make it what if i don't i never had that thought until that moment i was like oh my god every chapter that i ever wrote that's it that's all the chapters i get that's that's it it's over and it's sad you're like wait a second there's so many things that i've i that i've left on the table and i swore if i survived i would never play small again i was like all right if i survive this if i get the hell out of this (laughs) cancer thing i will never play small again like i was like i'm going balls out like holy shit because i was so sad that i was proud of some of the things i had done but i was also very sad about all the things i didn't even get to like taste and touch and feel and experience and see and I realized I was the biggest problem. Like I, I was the problem. Yes, I had accomplished a lot. I, d- I did some very, very cool things, but I'd also not done a lot that I had just kind of shied away from right. in my head before really I took a bite of the apple. You know, I was like, all right, I would rather feast from the <laughs> smorgasbord and decide what I like and what I don't like, as opposed to looking at that and being like, I don't think I'm going to like it. So I decided when I got to the other side of cancer, I was like, let's go on TV. Let's go. I mean, that's how I think, Allison. Okay, let's launch a business. <laughs> let's do this. Let's go on TV. Yep. And I have this kind of like, I don't know, I'd read The Secret. I believe in law of attraction. I believe yeah. in writing things down. I believe in taking action. I believe in <laughs> just take the first next right step. Like, what's the worst that yeah. happens? Like, you hire a media trainer and you do some media stuff and you're like, you know what? I really don't like it. So anyway, I just decided to go on TV. And now I do TV. <laughs> uh, and there's a little Proof. bit of in between there, but yeah. I have the right mental game. I, get, I think that's what I try to yeah. teach more people is with the right mental attitude, you can embark on so many adventures. And with the wrong mental attitude, you're d- you're. Yeah. it's going to be a really tough voyage in whatever experience, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I think that decide, that, that word decide, that's too funny because I launched a course for um, a couple of, you know, these new business owners. And that was one of my slides was decide. And I actually looked it up to see what in, you know, where it came from and all the, the origin. And I think it comes, it comes from Latin. And um, I came and think what it was, it was, but it was interesting because it was basically to focus all your energy on everything, you know, the one thing and have everything else drop off. And that's literally what the, the meaning in Latin meant. And I was oh, like, I love oh, that's that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I know, I, which is not how we te- technically use it all the time. But, you know, I think that decide is, is you know, powerful. you're not going to know how you don't. 
Yeah, because then you know, like, okay, I, I just hit the bump in the road, but you know what? I already decided this, so I'm just going to go over the bump or I'm going to go around mm -hmm. the bump or whatever it is and figure out what that next step is. Mm -hmm. You know, because we're always going to have, as business owners, you're always going to have challenges. You know, you the pandemic hit and, you know, if people weren't prepared for that, I mean, some of the people like restaurants got shut down and got shut down for long periods of time in some parts of the country. A hundred percent. And yeah. I love that word decide now. Now it's going to be like my new jam. But um, <laughs> I think it's so important that it's a, it's a powerful word. And yeah. I remember reading a book. I think it was Rick Bettino. Could be wrong. But it was in my early 20s. I would read a lot of self-help books. And I realized mm -hmm. this stuff I wasn't taught in school. I wasn't taught at home. I was never no. taught. And now I realized like if you wanted to make money, you wanted to be successful, you had to really focus on personal self-development. That started with yep. the checkup from the neck up. And Rick Bettino, I'm, I'm, I like sports. Yeah. I, I grew up with I'm a huge brothers. sports person. I know he's Yeah, a coach. you are too. <laughs> and so Rick Bettino was a, a basketball player. And coach, I'm sorry probably a player also, but what I, he's an author to me. And uh, he wrote, it's your decisions, not your conditions that shape your destiny. Yeah. And that was like transformative for me. Like at the time being like, my decisions shape my destiny. And I guess that, that concept had not really been taught to me. I was very much yeah. a victim. Like I felt like in my early twenties, like I just got you hit with the unlucky stick and I was very like, mm, like everyone else had more. And I was always like, like, uh, everybody's just got it easy and I've got to work twice as hard as everybody else. It's such a waste of such a low vibe. That's like the one yeah. thing I go back and be like, no, Barbara, you're not doing that again. Nope. Um, but that, um, concept, your decisions, not your yeah. conditions shape your destiny. And it was the decisions that I was going to wake up every morning and work hard and work a full day and maintain a positive attitude. And like those kind of things that I don't know, there's something about that. Your decisions shape your destiny, not your conditions. I'm like, hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. I like that, Rick. I think it was yeah. Rick. I'm giving you the credit. <laughs> Hopefully it's Rick. It's a long yeah. time. I remember ago. seeing him coach. Uh, I've not read that book, but I'll have to check it out. It's because... actually six. The name of the book is Success is a Choice, if I'm remembering correctly. Okay. But I remember I watched him coach. Years, I, I mean, though. I grew up in Indiana, so Indiana's a big basketball state. So I yeah. uh, used to watch basketball with my father all the time because I was the only child. So I no no mm. male sports figure. So I was watching basketball and football and uh, yeah. And, and another thing that. we another thing we have in common, I was an only child for four minutes. It was four amazing. Minutes. Four minutes. Amazing. I loved it. <laughs> Glorious. Yeah. All the attention was on me. And then then my twin brother ruined my moment. But it was four minutes though. Yeah, well, I, I lasted the whole time, but uh, got the whole run. All but right. the but sometimes you get negative attention, and that's not always so good. So yeah, I always sure. wanted a sibling, but then now I see some of the my Jack, my partner and fiance. He has like some interesting sibling relationships. I'm like, maybe I didn't want those siblings. <laughs> like maybe I'm perfectly happy right, with how right, I grew right. up because careful what you wish for. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm not going to get anyway at this point. But, um, mm -hmm. but I think it's interesting because, you know, like my parents, I just remember them playing like Zig Ziglar growing up, but I was always, I always tuned it out. Cause I was like, what, who is this guy? Like, what, like, mm -hmm. what are you playing me? And like, what are you, you know, it was like a you know, tape cassette in the, the car. <laughs> we would drive to like a tennis tournament since I was playing tennis and, 
And like, I didn't know who this guy was and I just let it go and whatever. And it must've been more my father's influence. I don't, I have no idea. Cause now I look at my mother who's my father passed away, but my look at my mother and she's like doom and gloom. Like everything is like the wow. worst case scenario and everything. And I'm like, what the heck happened to you? <laughs> Cause I'm like thinking, what I'm happened like, to the zig? Yeah, I know. I'm, you know yeah. Now I'm the one listening to that or something like that or reading something like that. And she's like, you know, if anything goes wrong, it's always the worst case scenario. Like, well, what if this happens? And I'm like, why do you always go to the worst case scenario? Like, what if this happens over here? You know, like, and it's a positive thing. <laughs> like, what? It's crazy. So, yeah. But I think it's what you're, so I mean, even though I was exposed to it, I didn't use it back then. And I didn't even know who this guy was, just some old guy that my parents were making me listen to. Right. And, then, and he's probably like in his, was in his fifties and we're yeah, like talking probably. about him like an old guy. Yeah, exactly. That was old back in, you know, our day. Of, uh, yeah. They looked, you know, they looked up. older. They looked older. Like the yeah. older girls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how do you see, like, what, I guess what challenges did you overcome during all this time? You know, so you went from like the sales side and then you made that decision after the cancer scare to get into TV. Like what challenges did you see during that period? You know, I, I had a big attachment to the the weight of other people's opinions and external validation and acceptance from others. And it is a constant work in progress. And I don't believe anyone that says, I don't care what people think. That's not true. Everybody cares. Everybody right. in some degree, it is on a spectrum. I think we all care, but how we navigate it is what's in our jurisdiction. And when yeah. I came to terms after going through cancer with that, I had no authority over other people's opinions of me. And I had to let go of trying to gain approval from everybody else and literally contort myself to get to be liked, to be accepted, <laughs> to check the right boxes, wear the right things, say yes to everything, be the right, be that, 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 and just be so needy for 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 approval and acceptance and belonging and all these other yeah. things like I had some sort of control over it by if I just did all the right things and what I came to understand is um you could be the juiciest peach out there and not everybody likes peaches may west right. that's a quote from her and <laughs> I was no longer going to be beholden to the weight of other people's opinions and the way other people perceived me. It was right. such a breakthrough because simultaneously with my cancer diagnosis, my marriage had ended. And yeah. in, I was, I never saw myself divorced. And I just was like, oh my God, I, I thought I married the man of my dreams. Is there, are we not like dreaming dreamscape in here? And uh, <laughs> how'd this happen? Um, and I was like, oh, my God, what are people going to think? And I used to say that all the time. Okay, what are people going to think? And, like, I had this, like, internal, like, everyone's going to love this and everyone going to love that. And I was like, I don't really know what people are thinking. And most of the time, right. they're not even thinking about you. So stop, well, like, exactly. get over yourself. <laughs> like, they're thinking about themselves. Um, yeah, But exactly. I can, like, I had to, that was probably one of my biggest breakthroughs of, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm literally going to give – people something to talk about uh like and, and then i realized i'm like you, you might as well give them something like whatever you can't you know and people that matter don't mind and people that mind don't matter kind of thing yep. um and then i started to be like oh, i want to be on tv so that's the the cool part about coming to terms with like your 
your, I don't know, your Achilles heel and the things that are really stunting you from living your best life. It's recognizing I care too much about like external metrics that I had no authority over. And when I kind of like regulated that a little bit and then I was like, I want to go on TV. And then I start going through the process. All right. I am not a television person. I'm going to have to start in the, I'm going to have to be running coffee for 25 year old producers or reporting from like the worst. <laughs> like I'm just going to get the 3 a.m. shift and all these other things. Right. Like I was like, I'm going to get the worst of the worst. The worst. Like I'm not going to be a war correspondent in Iraq. I'm going to have to start in like Elizabeth, New Jersey, talking about Girl Scout cookies at two o'clock yeah. in the morning or something. Blah, blah, blah. Or anyway, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here's the breakthrough, Allison. As I'm going through this, I'm like, oh, my God, like, what are people going to think? I heard myself say that. Oh, my God. Like, what an embarrassment. And I was like, what am I talking about? Embarrassment. And what are other people going to think? I'm like, I would rather be in the arena. Like, my my favorite quote is the man in the arena. I don't yeah. care. Like, I mean, and I have to say that because I was like, wait a second. I don't care what people think. If I right. am operating at the highest expression of me, if I am putting my best effort out there. I am putting myself out there in the pursuit of living my dreams, you know, living in service, doing good things, challenging myself, exploring, being curious. If I'm operating at that level, that vibration, I cannot worry about the way other, I can't control that anyway, but I can control me. But hearing myself say like, oh my God, this is gonna be so embarrassing. What are people going to think? I'm like, Shut yourself. Shut yourself. Like, like, uh, 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 like where doesn't matter what people think. I mean, I'm like, are they putting food on? Is your opinion putting food on my table? I don't think so. Right. And I just thought like, give them, they're going to judge me. I might as well just give them something to judge me about. And anyway, my first booking was the today show. So I didn't end up, I went straight to the front of the lines. (laughs) Oh, there you go. Straight to the front of the line, straight to the front of the line. Yes. There you go. See, after all yes, that. Yes, after all of that. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes we have to learn through those processes and then realize, make that, again, decision, and it works out. You know, I, you know huh. I think it was a lot of things happened to me, but they really happened for me. I wouldn't right. have had that kind of, um, what is that word, like that reckoning with myself. I was like, that is the dumbest shit. That dumb cassette, that's the, you've been playing ABBA in your brain too long. Like you got to take the cassette out. ABBA is out. Those 1970s. Uh, You got to pop in a new cassette and that new cassette, I think I put, you know, I put in new affirmations and new like, you know, the weight of other people's opinions isn't going to, isn't going to serve me. And uh, you just, I'd rather fail trying than fail to try. And I got another shot at life. Like, and I have done some really cool things since my, since I've finished my cancer treatment. I've also embarrassed the shit out of myself. (laughs) And so honestly, some of this thick shit I've done, that's all people want to talk about anyway. Like the dumb shit. Like, oh, Barb, I heard that woman stole 50 grand from me. I'm like, I know she did. And like stuff like that. But so all the shit, even the the bad stuff, people like to talk and I like to talk and I like to talk to teach. You know, I don't like talk to like feel don't feel sorry for me. I like to talk because I want to share some of my, you know, my experiences. And did I go on TV and mess up? Like every time I go on the Today Show, Jenna asks me a question I don't have the answer to every time. She doesn't (laughs) do it on purpose, but every 
every damn every time. time. I'm going <laughs> to tell you right now. One time she asked me what was this, the cheese that was in this like cheese melt that really wasn't part of my segment. There just was like a cheese bowl. And I was like, oh. I was like, queso? I don't know. She likes queso. I don't even think I answered it. I just like, it's so good. Then she did this thing. So I had this shark. These are like every, she doesn't know this. This is like between me and your audience. So I did this, maybe it was a Memorial Day segment or Labor Day. And there's this little shark and it's attached to the side of the cup because it's like a shark attack drink and in it is yeah. grenadine. Well, she grabs the cup and I'm supposed to pour the grenadine and the, the, gre the grenadine just goes flying all over the table. And Oops. I'm like, I just carefully pick it up and there's like a smidge of like that was that was like like my, my that was like one of my better pieces of this. <laughs> That happened. First episode, she asks me, how does this game work? So I'd done this like, um, I don't, it wasn't like a Jenga game. It was a ball game with sticks. I don't remember the name of it. And she's like, so how do you win and how do you lose? And I had right. been so wrapped up in DIYing this game. And it's yeah. my first episode. I was going through my talking points and I was so wrapped up and I had spray painted and got gotten all the, the spools and all these other things. She's like, who's the winner or the loser? It was a great question. That's a great question, Jenna, but I don't fucking know. So like I laugh because, um, you know, hold on. Let me just, uh, yeah, I just need five more. Um, anyway, I tell the, uh, like that was my biggest nightmare. What if I go on TV and I mess up? I go on, there right. isn't an episode. There's nothing. There's no, like I walk away from a segment. I'm like, it kills it. I'm like, okay. My first, I could tell you story after story. So here I am living out loud and realizing I am not ever going to be perfect and nothing's, everything's right. always going to have like a smidgy of a, like, oh, I wish I did this <laughs> and I wish I did that. And I hated my hair and I like right. all that. Um, so I don't know, live out loud, go embarrass yourself today. <laughs> go try something now. Yeah. Uh, definitely. You would definitely be talked about for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. I give everybody something to talk, but I also give people permission to kind of, go for it. And that's the beauty. And the reason why I've written a book is people right. love what, like, I mean, I don't know if they love what I bring on TV, but people like it. But what people really love Allison is they're seeing this 40 something year old woman just completely reinvent herself and not only survive yeah. cancer, but survive divorce, try a new career. Um, and that's where a lot of people have more questions. Uh, that's where they, they're like, yeah. tell me how you made that shark attack drink. I've right. yet to be asked, but tell me how you <laughs> got on television. How did you deal with divorce? Right. How are you raising three kids? What was it like dating again? Da, 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 da. Like that's what people want to know about me. They don't want to know about right. my shark attack drink. Can you please ask me about it? It was very cute. It's got grenadine. Yeah, anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's really, I think the the um, I don't know the beauty in putting yourself out there because courage is contagious. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's that relatability because I think everyone, you know, has someone you relate to, and then people that you're you know you're attracted to because of their relatability, and each person's got that you know mentor whoever it is for them, whether it's a, you know, just a mentor and they don't really know the person, but they just follow them or coach or whatever they are to them. You know, it's that relatability, yes. which you can attract those people that are relate to the, your story. And, and I like, think all well, of us, um, yeah. and I don't know if that is for you, but, um, I feel like when you see someone else, you're like, I can do that too. 
there's so much like I that people see what I do and they're like, if she can do it, I can do it. If she can do it, I can do it. Right. Because there's really nothing <clears throat> like, oh my God, I'm not like Giselle Boonshin. Like I'm like, I cannot model. Like I just, I'm an average at best. I'm an average height. I'm average every, like I graduated <laughs> in a class of 360 and my class rank was 180. I mean, I just like, I'm not like some mega right star. Right smack in the middle. So it's not that I'm gifted in any sort of vertical out there. Um, I'm just, I am gifted enough to take the, to make the right decision to take the <laughs> chance, right? Right back yep. to the decision. So that's. Yep. 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 Oh, that's great. And then you then founded more, the Moral Life Collective, which I'm a part of. So what. Like what prompted you to do that? Because I know obviously it's not necessarily part of your TV personality piece, mm. but you uh, you Im are impacting a lot of different people in in creating that. So yes, yeah, so the More Life Collective did kind of uh, was kind of birthed from those questions that I would get all the time of like, how did you okay. do that? And I want to put my art in galleries, and I want to try roller skating, and I want to learn how to ski, and I want to learn a new language yep. and travel to Rome and all these other things. And all those questions led me to answering with like, um, you know, I oh hire a coach, or which is part of it. But the truth is I wanted to help more people get the right mental strategy and couple the right mental strategy with taking action. Because I think a lot of people yeah. read and study. They're like botanists. They just study, study, study and watch, 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 study. And don't do anything. And it's yep. like, we're, we're, and we're in this culture. Like if you buy the thing, you think you're going to get the thing, but you, you've got to actually do the thing. Like you can't just study right. personal development. You can't study how to do a podcast. You can't just study how to you know, how yeah. to make a baby. You got to like, action. got to get action. Make some action. You got to, you got to take some action. Like you can't read a book on how to get pregnant yeah. to have a baby. You have to take action. <laughs> and it's like, uh, you're not going to accidentally learn how to fly a plane. And no. it's this getting very, I, I want to help more people get more conscientious about taking action in their life. So the more life collective is unlike any other community out there. We start with non-negotiables that are really the bedrock of good living. Like these are three basic fundamentals that highly successful people all say that they do this is these three basic fundamentals that it's just like one component, one of the non-negotiables, right? Drinking water. I'm going to drink more water. And then people say, I got to drink more water. You hear people say this left, right, and center. And you're like, well, when are you actually going to start drinking more water? And when you join the collective, I'm like, that's now a non-negotiable. So where's your water bottle? And I want to see a picture of it empty every day or your journal or your exercise, whatever it might be. And I help more people get very connected to what they want, what means to live their best life, to optimize their health, their wealth, their happiness. Um, so I launch challenges and resets and I keep saying an in-person retreat. I have yet to do one. I don't know. <laughs> just decide. <laughs> I know just that's that and set the date. And I teach all this, like right. set the date and then reverse engineer. And I teach people yep. how to set goals and then create calendars and blah, blah, blah. blah. But here I am. I'm like, I, I, Allison, I'm, I have uh, social anxiety sometimes. And I think I want everything to be so perfect. But like we <laughs> talked about in the beginning, progress yep. over perfection. Exactly. I'll get it done and it'll exactly. likely sell out. So I'm, I'm looking forward to eventually uh, pulling the trigger. 
Yeah, you'll pull it when it's the right time. So, yeah. So, but so as we start to wrap up today, I always ask the same question of every uh, everyone that comes on the show, which is if you had one tip to give to someone that wanted to start a business or someone that's newer in business, is that something that's helped you along the way or something that maybe you knew from day one that helped you accelerate through your entrepreneurial journey, what would that one tip be? Live in service of others in everything that you do. And how can you serve your customers? How can you best help your employees, your team? When you start with how can I serve? How can mm -hmm. I best mentor this person that's not on me? If, if, the byproduct will be you will have more customers, you will have more sales, and you will yeah. make more money. If you just start with what's in their best interest, how can I help them? How can I serve? Your product, your service, whatever it might be, is going to be messaged in a way that will resonate with whoever you are, you know, working with or trying yeah. to bring on board. So um, live in service. It's okay. a very powerful way to navigate mm -hmm. difficult situations, yep. how to improve sales, uh, customer retention, um, team loyalty, live in service. That's all you need to know. All right. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And if anyone wanted to get in touch with you or have questions or learn more about the More Life Collective, what's the best way to do that? Absolutely. It's Barbara Majeski at Instagram and uh, barbaramajeski.com. And the morelifecollective.com is also out there, but you can just Google me and find me. I'm everywhere. I'm <laughs> everywhere. everywhere. Uh -oh. <laughs> and tune in for uh, the uh, Halloween segment that's coming up. <laughs> All right. I'm going to have to be on the lookout for it because I don't think I've ever seen you on the, oh, the, yeah. the, the actual national side of things. <laughs> so I'll have to check it out. Mm -hmm. But thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Allison. This was great. And thank you, everyone, for joining the Dream Plan Stark Rose Show. So I do love working with new business owners or those who want to start a business. So if you have any questions for me, you can go to my website, theallisonturner.com. I do offer a complimentary consultation. I also have upcoming webinars. So please check it out. And I look forward to talking with you. Thank you very much for joining us. And I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Dream Plan Start Grow podcast with Allison Turner. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. Join our community by joining the Dream Plan Start Grow Facebook group, or for more resources, go to my website, theallisonturner.com.